It was 2002-2003. I don't remember exactly. But our friend, Roger McNeil, came around the corner in the office at the church that he was working at. And he saw the pastor and a gentleman that he did not know at the time looking into his office. And as he passed by, unbeknownst to the people that were standing there, he heard the pastor say, this is where your office is going to be. And he realized at that moment that there was a a man in in the office interviewing for a job that he currently held. And it frustrated him, as you can imagine, saddened him. He was greatly, greatly hurt as a result of that meeting that he happened upon. And this week, I was thinking about how many people in, in our church um, have maybe not had that exact experience, but have been hurt by the church. Have been hurt, I mean, deeply, deeply by a local church, by leaders in a local church. Phil and I just had a conversation this week that uh, about that very thing. And, and as, as a result of that conversation and the hurt that a church uh, had, had, had inflicted upon a, a family, upon a person, it, it made me legitimately angry. Like, I want to hurt somebody angry. And you know, I'm not a fighter. I've lost every fight I've ever talked about up here. And it was, this conversation legitimately made me angry. Like, I want to hurt somebody angry. Because the church is not supposed to do that to people. Leaders, people that are supposed to point people to Jesus are not supposed to do that to people. And it's been something that's, that I've been just kind of marinating on and, and, and thinking about all week. And it's frustrated me. It's depressed me, if I'm being honest. It's it's really put me in a different, in an interesting uh, spot. It just, I love the church so much. I love the people so much. I, I feel like I've, I've been called to devote my life to it. And yet I see time after time after time after time, people have inflicted great hurt. So much so that a lot of people you know have walked away and said, I'm never going back. And so over the last few days, my prayer has been this. Father, I pray, I pray that nobody that calls Wellspring home would ever leave church and never want to go back because of a hurt that's happened here. But here's what I also know, that I say dumb things. I say hurtful things. And you do too. I've heard it before. No, I'm just kidding. But people say dumb things. People say hurtful things. People inflict pain on other brothers and sisters in Christ. And so understanding that that's a reality in this, on this side of eternity where sin uh, infects us and affects us to our deepest, deepest core. And we say things as a result of that sin. We act on things as a result of that sin. How in the world can I ensure that people would never walk away from church permanently because of a hurt that happened here? And I really think there's only one answer. And it's an answer that we talk about a lot, but I don't know any other answer, and that's this, it's the gospel. It's a reminder that we are far worse than we ever dreamed, but we are far more loved than we ever hoped. It's only the gospel that will allow that prayer to become a reality. 
And so this morning, I, I only have about five minutes at this point, but I want to walk through just a few verses and just kind of open up my heart about where I'm at, where I've been this week. I mean, it is frustrating me. Mary Jo has said more than once, Scott, you're in, you're in a terrible mood. And it's because of this reality and thinking about this after a conversation that we had, because it hurts me to the core when I see God's people hurt God's people. And they do so willingly. They do so willfully. They do so to get ahead. So the gospel is the only remedy. It's the only remedy for that. It's the only thing that, that pushes us to take this good news outside of the walls and heal those inside of it. So if you have a Bible, Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13. And like I said, I only have a few minutes, so we're going to fly through this. But with that as a backdrop, with that as the only truth, the only hope, the only thing that can heal and that can give life, I want to look at these few verses really quick. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 13, it says this. He, and that's talking about Jesus, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Stop right there. The Bible says that it is only in Jesus that our sins are forgiven. For some people, that is irreligion. I mean, you're talking, you have been saved from debauchery, you've been saved from alcohol, you've been saved from sexual immorality, you've been saved from all the things that church people look upon and go, I'm glad that's not me. Some of you sit here today and you go, that was me and I've been saved from that. And that's exactly what this verse is saying. But the verse doesn't stop there. It's also saying that some of you have been, uh, have been saved, have been redeemed from religion. Some of us myself included, have been, have been saved from a list of do's and a list, a list of don'ts, have been saved from hurting those that are inside God's family. Some of us have been saved from religion. And we've been given redemption, forgiveness, life from that very thing. It goes on. It says, He is the image of the invisible God. Stop right there. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. You want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. You want to know how God would respond to a lady found in an adulterous relationship? Look at how Jesus responded. He said, Hey Pharisees, hey, hey keepers of the law, hey religious people, if you have no sin, then you can pick up the first stone and throw it. And the Bible tells us that one by one, they dropped their stone and they walked away. And Jesus looked at the adulterous woman and said, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You want to you see what, what, what God looks like? Look at how Jesus responded to Zacchaeus. When he engaged Zacchaeus in the tree and he said, Hey, come on down. I want to go and I want to have dinner with you. I want to go have, have, have a meal with you. And then he challenges him to go and to sin no more. And that's exactly how Zacchaeus responds. 
You want to know what God is like? Look at how Jesus responded to the Pharisees. When he looked at the crowd and he said, hey, you want to inherit eternal life? You want to inherit heaven one day? You've got to be better than these guys. And these guys make us look like Little League. I mean, they, they memorized the Torah, the first five books of the Bible. I don't know about you, but I barely get through numbers reading it, much less memorizing it. By the time I'm about at chapter 16, I'm jumping to 1 John. I'm done. And these guys memorize Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Jesus said, you want to inherit heaven? you got to be better than them. You want to know what God looks like? Look at his son, the Bible tells us. Because he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And here's the key verse. And he is the head of the body, the church. I mean, let's be honest. The body many times is deformed. The body many times wants to eat itself. The body many times wants to take itself out. I mean, if you talk to people outside of the church, one of the things they regularly say, you've heard it and I've heard it. I, I'm, I'm never going to that place because there's hypocrites there. To which my response is, I am so glad because that means I can go. But in spite of all of that deformity, in spite of all of that, that, that eating itself up, the Bible reminds us that the head is strong. The head is stable. The head offers grace. And it's because of that that you're welcome and I'm welcome. It's because of that that I don't want to leave it. It's because of that, even when I've been hurt, that I want to show up and be a part of the body that's taking the only thing that is good news in this world to a lost and a dying world. So in spite of the deformities, in spite of the hurt, in spite of the pain, the body, or excuse me, the, the, the Bible reminds us that God is the head, that Christ is the head, and he is firm, and he's leading us. He's leading us. And that's somebody that we can follow. He closes it out this way. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, and in everything, he might be preeminent. The top, the goal, the end, the one who is to be worshipped, the one who is to be praised, the one who, who is to be anointed, the one who is preeminent over everything, over all. He is not a means to an end. He is the end. He's preeminent. And he is the one that we follow. He is the one that we adore. He is the one who we worship. He is the one who's preeminent. So this morning, I don't know what your experience is. I don't know how you've been hurt by the body of Christ. But I do know this. The only thing 
that brings healing to that, the only thing that brings hope to that, the only thing that keeps us coming back is the gospel. He is preeminent, and he is worth it. And so this morning, we're going to transition. Phil, if you'll come on up. Worship team, you can come on up. We're going to sing, and we're going to continue to worship through the Lord's Supper. And this is an opportunity for us to be reminded that He is preeminent. He is ultimate. He is the one who is worshipped. He is the one who is praised. He is the one who heals hurts. He is the head of the church this morning. He's preeminent. And so I'm going to pray, we're going to sing, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. I'll come back up and I'll read a, a, a small small verse. Actually, I'm going to read it right now. And then we're going to, Phil, if you'll just take it from here, we'll take it to the Lord's Supper. We'll go right into the Lord's Supper after this song. Here's what it says. This is what we come to the table. Remembering, this is what we come to the Lord ta- Lord's table. Worshiping, this is why we come to the Lord's table. Because He's preeminent. He's the one who heals. He's the one who invites. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. It says in verse 23, For I received from the Lord, this is instruction to the church. I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night He was betrayed took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So let's pray. Father, This morning, we come with many, many hurts. Some more recent than others, but hurts nonetheless. And Lord, the only remedy to that, the only fix for that, the only medicine for that is you. You're preeminent, you're the head. You're the one who offers life. You're the fountain of living water, you said. And so this morning we come to drink from that. Lord, we thank you for the gospel. We thank you for the good news. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This morning, if you don't know Christ, right after this service, there will be somebody out at our connection center. I'd love nothing more than you to stop by there. One of our elders will talk to you. This morning, if you know Christ, you've been hurt by the church in the past or maybe in not so so distant past. The remedy, the answer is the gospel. The solution is the gospel. He is the end. He's not the means to an end. And so I pray that you would find rest, you would find hope, you would find assurance in that. If you're sitting here this morning and you're saying that. Ah, I appreciate what you're saying. That's just not me. I haven't been there. 
I'm thankful for that. So this morning, no matter where you're at, we're going to continue to worship through the Lord's table. If you don't know Christ, if you would just take that and pass it on, not partake of that, that's one of the instructions that the Bible gives us. And then after the service, you want to to respond to that. Just stop by that connection center. If you know Christ this morning, whether you're a member here or not, you're you're welcome to partake of it. I say this every single month, every single time we, we, we do this. He's the one who invites. It's not us. It's not our church. It's definitely not me. And it's an opportunity for us to act upon the preeminence of Christ. It's it's an opportunity for us to say, God, you are preeminent. You are the ultimate. You are the end. And I thank you for your sacrifice. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to sing a quick song. Then the guys are going to pass it out. When you receive it, you're welcome to partake of it. And then we're going to continue to worship after that's done.
Joyful eyes, my soul, my soul. 